We're in uh, the book of Proverbs. We're looking at wisdom. We've looked at a number of uh, subjects. We've looked at uh, friendship. Today, guidance, wise planning. Next week, we're going to look at family. And uh, folks have found it really beneficial. And uh, we trust that today, again, it'll be very helpful for us. So, let me read these The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Trust In the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, But a wise man listens to advice. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. The integrity of the upright guides them. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way but the folly of fools is deceiving. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Amen. Well, keep those... Uh, Proverbs open there. Um, we've been saying, as we've been looking through the book of Proverbs, if you're new here and you've uh, never heard of the book of Proverbs in the Bible, it's a very strange book. Normally when we, we preach through books of the Bible here at Chalmers, we just follow it systematically verse by verse. But in the book of Proverbs, the vast majority of it is made up of these small pithy sayings uh, with random different themes that aren't really connected. Uh, And so what we're doing as we're studying Proverbs is we're trying to bring out, I guess, kind of case studies into some of the key themes that we see here. Uh, And this morning, I think we're going to be looking at um, something that is just tremendously helpful. One of the feedback that I constantly get about Proverbs is just how practical and how earthy and how real and how helpful it is. And we are looking at a a huge topic this morning. We're going to be looking at the topic of planning. 
Um, we're looking at how we can plan wisely. And we've been saying as we've been looking at, at Proverbs that, that wisdom in the Bible it is not just about making the right choice, though that is certainly wisdom, but it, it's kind of more than that. There's something that, that undergirds biblical wisdom, and, and it's making the right choice ever mindful of God's sovereignty. So biblical wisdom is, is living correctly in God's world under God's rule. And so as we look at this issue of planning, that's kind of the thing that's undergirding all these proverbs, a right understanding of who God is. How is it that we can make the right plans in life? We like to plan out our finances, we plan out our career path, we plan out where we want to be in life. But what is the the right plan that we should make? What is the, the, the right thing that we should do in life? This is a huge topic. This is the topic. I, I've had so many Christians who will come and talk to me about God's guidance. And they want to know where God is guiding them or, or what they should do in life. What plans that they should make. We plan for the future. But we can be worried that the plans that we make are the wrong ones. So should I start dating this person? Uh, Should we start planning for a family? Should we move to this area? Should I accept this job? Uh, These are the kind of questions that we need wisdom in because they're they're not usually moral questions. Usually when you've got options open to you and you're trying to plan which is the right one, it's not that uh, this is the good option, the morally right one, and this is the evil option, the morally bad one, which one should I take? Usually that's not the situation. Usually they're, they're both good options, they're both moral, and they can both be godly options. But how do I decide which is the right one that we can take? And wisdom, wisdom literature in the Bible is designed to help us in these situations. So that's what we're going to look at. It's a huge topic, because I'm sure most of you here have had big decisions to make in life. Um, I'm sure you've got a lot more big decisions coming up on the horizon. How can we plan wisely? Now, if you look at the inside of your service sheet, I've got a wee outline as to where we're going to be this morning. And the first thing you'll notice there is a key principle which Proverbs really emphasizes. And it's this, your plans matter but God is ultimately in control. So your plans matter. The choices and the decisions that you make in life, they're yours and they really do matter. But ultimately, it's God's plan and it's God's choice and it's God's decision as to what is going to happen in your life. Now that seems like a a kind of an apparent contradiction, um, but it is the basis, it's the fundamental basis upon which we must build wisdom for sound planning. Now, there's loads in Proverbs that make makes this point. Um, look at the first two Proverbs on your sheet there. Chapter 14, verse 15. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And look over, just flip over um, to the second last proverb. That was format and mistake. That should have been at the start. That's my bad. Um, but it says this wasn't very well planned, was it? Um, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Now, do you see what Proverbs is saying there? Planning is important. So if you're to be wise in life, you've got to make wise plans. And the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. They, they look to the future. They try and discern the way that they are going to go, and they plan in light of that. 
The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. So if you're just rushing your decisions, if you're uh, not thinking about what you're doing in life, you're going to get yourself into all sorts of trouble. Planning for your future is very wise. You cannot just go through life expecting life to happen to you without making any plans. You can't just make decisions off the cuff because everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You'll end up destroying yourself, you'll end up maybe hurting others, and you'll end up um, just being lazy. The book of Proverbs has a, a term for someone who doesn't like to plan, and it's a great term, it's the sluggard. That's what you'd be like. You'd just be lazy, you'd be a sluggard. Everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So if you're married, it's important to plan together. It's important to sit down with your spouse to plan out your finances. It's important to plan out where you want to go in the future and how you're going to get there. At work, you need to plan and to organize. Let me tell you, as a church, this may not surprise many of you, but we plan very hard and we organize things. And that's a very good and a godly and a wise thing to do. And, you know, this is difficult for me because some of you here are, are naturally gifted at planning and administration. Uh, some of you, like me, are not at all. Uh, and so I, I'm very blessed to be married to a good planner. But Proverbs is saying here that, that you've got to work on that because that's a wise thing to do, to plan for your life. But although there is a clear, a very clear commendation of planning in Proverbs, that planning has to be done, I think, under two big realities. And the first reality is that you have to plan and accept the fact that you are limited. You have to plan and accept your limitations. Because often people who are very good at planning try and plan in a way in which they're, they're almost trying to control their life. And Proverbs kind of warns against that, that, to be careful, to accept the fact that you're a limited, finite human being with a very limited knowledge. Look at what um, Proverbs 14 verse 12 says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. In Proverbs 27, 1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So you have no idea what's coming tomorrow. You have no idea. You can make the best plans ever, and yet something could come tomorrow that could just shatter that completely. You've got to recognize that you are limited in your plan making. As Rabbi Burns says, the best laid plans of mice and men go often awry. Now that's a very posh translation of Burns to my absolute shame as a Scotsman. But this is, uh, this is me becoming all things to all people, uh, just so you can understand what he's saying there. The best laid plans of mice and men go often awry. So it's wise to plan accepting the fact that you are limited and that your plans won't often come to fruition. But secondly and perhaps most importantly, it's wise to plan accepting the fact that it is ultimately God who is sovereign. So the universe is not random uh, and chaotic. There is a plan behind it. There's a plan behind your life that is God's. And that plan cannot be thwarted. That plan cannot change. That is the plan of God. Proverbs 16, verse 1, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. 
Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So crystal clear. The, the choices that you make matter, but God's plan is the plan that ultimately prevails. God is not watching you up in heaven with your decisions and your choices that you've got to make in life. He's not watching there kind of thinking, oh, I really hope they don't take that job. Oh, no, they've taken it. Oh, they shouldn't have done that. He's, he's not watching us as we kind of make our plans while he is doing nothing. God is in control of everything, and he is sovereign even over every decision that we make in life. The plans of the heart belong to man. See what it's saying there? Your plans are your own. You're responsible for the choices. You're responsible for the decisions that you make in life. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. God's plan will ultimately stand. The lot is cast into the lap. That's like a, a kind of um, an ancient equivalent of, of throwing dice. Even the most small, insignificant thing doesn't happen by chance. It happens because God determines it to happen. In fact, Jesus says that even when a sparrow dies, it happens because God has willed it to happen. God's plan ultimately stands. Now, this stands kind of culturally at odds with what we believe. So, so we have a tendency to either sway one of both ways. We, we, we either sway to the side that, that everything's kind of predetermined uh, and there is doesn't matter what choice you make, ultimately your, your destiny will stand, your fate will come to fruition. It doesn't matter the choices you make. But culturally, I think we have a tendency to sway more to the other side and say that everything that is happening in our future is purely dependent upon us and our choices alone. Um, and I think that's really culturally ingrained in us. Let me just give you an example. Um, somebody complained about my obscure movie references and sermons, but it's just because I'm trying to educate you. Uh, and one of the, the greatest films that has ever been made is a film called Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, and it's a film about time travel and this kind of war in the future and this cyborg that's been sent back to kind of end this war and stop it happening in the future. But there's a famous quote in that film in which the main character says this, there is no fate but what we make for ourselves. And the whole idea is that the future doesn't matter. It's not determined. All that matters is the choices you make. You are solely responsible for all that is going to happen in the future. Now, you see, if that was true, that would be absolutely paralyzing. Because I don't know about you, I, I'm, I'm not that old, I'm 29, but some of the decisions that I thought would have been great when I was 19, I realized with hindsight, if I had got my way, it would have been an absolute disaster. I, because some of the decisions, when I'm 19, I would have made a lot of dumb decisions in my life. Stuff back then that I would have thought, yeah, that's right, that, that's, that's definitely where my life should go. And it's really paralyzing to think that, that what I do, my future is determined totally upon me and all the choices that I make. How will I make the right choice? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible, um, what Proverbs is saying here is that the fundamental starting point for wisdom is accepting the fact that you have to plan, your choices do matter, and you are responsible for them, but ultimately God is in control. Now, that's a hard thing to weigh up because we see that as an either-or thing. The Bible never really seems to, to have that as a tension. It holds both these things uh, together, 
God is responsible ultimately for what's going to happen in your future, but you're responsible for the choices you make, and they do matter. So if you go through life not planning, you're a fool and a sluggard, Proverbs would say. But if you go through life planning very well, but with no acknowledgement of God's sovereignty, then you're a fool, and and probably it's blasphemous, because it ignores the kingship of Christ. So that's our starting point. Now, I want to look at then, okay, how do we do this? How can we make these wise plans in our life, knowing that? And I want us to turn in our Bible, so I hope you've you've got a Bible there, and turn it to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. These, if you've been in church, these will be familiar words to you. These words, this is a teaching from Jesus, Matthew 6, verse 31. These are going to help us a lot as we look at the Proverbs to come. They frame a lot of what we're going to see. Matthew 6, verse 31. Jesus says this, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's very similar there to to Proverbs 27. Now keep that open, keep those uh, sheets of Proverbs there um, next to that. Uh, And then we'll look at what Proverbs says about how we can plan wisely. Firstly, trust and commit all that you do to God. Trust and commit all you do to God. Um, Proverbs 3, this would be familiar if you were here two weeks ago. We're not going to sing it. You'll be glad to know. Um, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So if you're looking to make a big choice, if you're looking to plan wisely, here's the fundamental starting point for wise planning, prayer. Prayer is the fundamental starting point if you are to plan wisely in your life, committing all that you do to God. Can I just encourage you that uh, as an elder here, I get to see the, the elders, the leaders of this church do this for you and for the plans of this church on a regular basis. They commit their plans, and they make many plans, good plans, always commit it to God in prayer. And that's very wise. That is the, the starting point of this. Stuart, Proverbs 3 says, trust God with all your heart. That means every bit of you. So if you've got a big decision to make, bring it to God in prayer. Trust that ultimately his will will stand. And remember the fact that God's not your assistant. Jesus is not there to assist you in your plans. Jesus is your king. He is in charge. He is in control. Trust him. And he does care about us and the decisions that we make. Commit all your work to the Lord. What does that mean? This is why I got, this is why I got us to look at Matthew 6. Because I think Jesus explains what it would look like to commit all your work to God. By the way, you may have misheard this proverb, because I have heard this proverb, but I misheard it so many times. Just notice what it says here. It says, commit your, it doesn't say, sorry, it doesn't say, commit your plans to the Lord, and he will establish your work. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, commit your plans to the Lord, and then God will just make 
whatever you want happens. But it does say commit all your work. That is all that you do, all that you are. Commit your entire self to the Lord and he will establish your plans. He will make you the kind of person that makes wise plans. Jesus phrases it like this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's how you know. That's how you know if you're really trusting God. That's how you know if you really are committing your plans to God. If your priority in the decisions that you make is the kingdom of Christ. So take, for example, imagine you had, say you had to get, you were going to buy a new house. And you had two options. Again, it's both moral options. They're not, it's not like one's immoral and unbiblical. They're both moral options. You're going to buy a house. The question to ask yourself in that decision is, how can I best seek first the kingdom of God in that house? Is it really wise to get that house way out in the country that's nice and comfortable and away from lots of people? Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. But can you really seek God's kingdom first there? Or think about a job, perhaps, that you might need to get in the future. What is it that's driving your motivation? Is it the desire for money and comfort? Or can you honestly say, I think I could serve God's kingdom if I take that job? It's a question you just need to ask yourself and and pray about and commit these plans to God. And maybe, (laughs) maybe you've got options and you think, well, I could could serve God's kingdom in either of these choices. So what what, what do I do? How, How do I discern what God wants from me? Well, here's some good, wise advice. Make a choice. Just make a choice. Just do it. Don't over-spiritualize. If you can serve God's kingdom honestly, then just go for it. And some will say, well, I'm just waiting for God to give me a sign. I'm waiting for God to tell me. That is not how God operates, usually. God's given you a brain. He's given you a will to make decisions yourself. So do it. And nine times out of ten, people who say they're they're waiting for for God's guidance, rather than being spiritual, they're they're actually more like the people that Jesus is describing here in Matthew 6. They're just anxious and nervous, and they don't know what to do. They're worried. And Jesus is saying, don't worry. God's in control. Trust him and seek first his righteousness. And it's a scary thing to do. It doesn't mean that every plan that you do will, will, will come to fruition. In fact, a lot of the times you can plan well, and God will lead you into such dire circumstances that were all your plans seem to be shattered. Look at Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You may think you know how your life should go, but you, you don't. Don't lean on what you think you know, but trust God in all your ways. Whatever you're doing, acknowledge him. Accept God as king and he will make straight your paths. No one, no one here has ever become wise because someone's told them, be wise. That's not how you become wise. You'll never, ever learn to trust God if God just gives you everything you want. You need to be sometimes brought into situations where, as uh, a minister called Tim Keller says, you're sometimes brought into situations where you have to realize that Jesus is all you need when Jesus is all you have. So trust God. He is in control. Wise planning begins with a trust and a commitment to God. Secondly, listen to the counsel of God's people. 
It's very clear. Proverbs 10:17. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, ways, wage war. Now I've said there, listen to the counsel of God's people, because Proverbs was originally written for God's covenant people. And because it's wise. Now, I've got non-Christian friends that offer me great advice and helpful advice in, in certain situations. But if I'm to make the wise plans, ultimately, that God wants me to make in life, then I need to have people around about me whose priority is the same as mine. What's the priority? It's the, the kingdom of Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's my priority. And so if I'm to make wise plans, I need to have others who, who share that and understand that, that that has to be my priority. And God's guidance, more often than not, I think this is so key, God's guidance, more often than not, comes through God's people. That's how God takes care of his people, through his church. So if you've got a big decision to make in life, then you'd be foolish to make it just by yourself. Seek help, seek counsel. That's why small groups are a great idea. It's wise planning. Ask people in the church what they think. And if everyone is saying the same thing, then it's probably a good indicator as to the plan you should make. If you think God has called you to do something and people in the church are all saying that you shouldn't do it, then God probably hasn't called you to do that. Look at that proverb, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Be mindful of that. But a wise man listens to advice. And I really want to emphasize this point because one of the ways in which I... I hear many Christians talk about God's guidance in their life is to place it very much in the, the individual and the kind of emotional feelings that they have behind their choices. So people say, well, I feel at peace about this decision. And therefore, that's, that's where God's guiding me. And, you know, don't take that away because that, that could be true. You could have, make a decision that is godly and it could give you peace because you know it's right. But if you're to base every decision that you make in your life upon whether or not you feel at peace, you're going to get yourself into real trouble. Imagine Jesus did that just before he went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross because he was obedient to the will of God. And he was certainly not at peace before he went to the cross. If he based his decisions in life upon kind of what he felt internally, then none of us would be saved. Proverbs says nothing about trust your feelings to get God's guidance. Nothing, but it does commend. You can see quite wholeheartedly it commends seeking the advice of others. So plan with others, plan with your spouse, plan with your church. And the bigger the decision, the more necessary it is to have people around about you to help you. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage, war. Now, I'm guessing there's not many ancient Near Eastern kings here. This is a proverb for them. They've got war to wage. But if you've got a big decision like they would have had in terms of going to war, this proverb is saying you've got to have people around about you to help you make that decision. Thirdly and finally, and absolutely key, live life, live a wise life God's way. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. God, God doesn't tell us exactly what we should do in life. He doesn't. But he does tell us how we should live 
in life. He doesn't say, this is the choice that you have to make in your life. But he does say, this is how you should be. This is how you should live. He does tell us to be the kind of person that will make wise choices. The integrity of the upright guides them. See that? If you've got good, godly integrity, and the more you have of that, the more you will be the kind of person that makes wise choices. It's not ambiguous. God's very clear on how we're to live. You see it all throughout the Bible. God does not guide you to do stuff, for example, that's contrary to what he has said in his word. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6, it's not on your sheet, but it says this, Every word of God proves true, and he is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So, for example, if a Christian comes up to me and says that they feel that God has guided them to go out with someone, start dating someone who's not a Christian, I can honestly say that that he's not. And he never will. Why? Because he says in his word that that's not a good thing to do. And God won't do anything contrary to what he has already said in the Bible. He may not tell us every choice we must make, but he does tell us how to live. And I know some of us struggle with that because we'd love an audible voice from heaven telling us exactly what to do. That's not usually how God works. In some special circumstances in the Bible, he does that. But usually that's not how God guides people. Most of the time, God tells us how to be the kind of people to make wise decisions. So I was, uh, the, one of the great sermons that I listened to on this was by Tim Keller. Uh, Robin mentioned him last week. He's got a really helpful sermon, uh, and I found it personally quite helpful myself. But he's got a great illustration to make this point. He says, imagine you had a child who was four years old, and that child came up to you and said, you know, Dad, uh, can I go out to play? And you'd have to be, well, okay, well, see what time it is or when your dinner's ready, and, and then you would tell them what to do. But imagine your child was 19 years old, and they were away at university, and they phoned you up, and they said, uh, Dad, there's a couple of guys just playing frisbee out the front. Uh, is, is it okay if I go out and play with them? Now, if, as a parent, you'd be like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, make a decision. Of course you can. You know. And sometimes we, we'd like God to treat us like that, like the four-year-old, in which every single decision God has to tell you what to do. But God doesn't tell us what to do. He wants us to be wise, to make wise choices. And so he teaches us how to live wisely so that we can make the right choices ourselves. Christians have made God's guidance into a very strange, individual, almost mystic thing. And it's not, it's very earthy, isn't it, here in Proverbs. You know, my wife and I were hoping to, hopefully, be involved in a church plant in Dundee. People ask me, how do you know that's what God wants for you to do in life? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Do you have peace about it? No. It's terrifying thinking about it. But I do know, look, well, can we see? Yes, it's seeking first God's kingdom. I believe that it is. I believe that there's an opportunity. And others have told me that we could do it. So let's do it. I don't know what God has planned for me. I'm not meant to know his plans. But I do know how he wants me and Kyrene to live as a married couple, and as Christians. Proverbs 19, what's desired in a man is steadfast love. A poor man is better than a liar. God wants us to be people of steadfast love. That word, steadfast love, oh my, 
We've, it's lost in the English translations. It's a Hebrew word, chesed. I mentioned this last week when I was preaching. Very important word. It means often, more often than not, it's used in the Bible to refer to God's covenant love, the love that God has between him and his people. What does God require of me and you? Well, Jesus sums up. Love him with your whole heart and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And the more you do that, the more you'll be the kind of person that will make wise choices in life. So commit your plans to God. Give yourself to God to serve his kingdom first. Ask yourself, am I serving his kingdom or am I serving myself? Listen to the advice of other Christians who have those kingdom priorities and live a life that reflects the fact that you are a kingdom person and plan. I just want to close with how we started. This is done mindful of the fact that Although our plans matter, God is ultimately in control. His eternal plan will stand. So Jesus says, don't worry. He's your father. He loves you. He knows what you need. He's not phased by what's going on in your life. He's got it under control and we can trust him. And let me say, you may have big decisions here to make in your life. But if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, the biggest decision you have to make is not your finance. It's not your relationships not your job. It's not where you're going to be in your life. The biggest decision you have to make is where do I stand with Jesus? Where do I stand with him? Because salvation is only found in him and your life and all its plans is just a breath and a vapor. But eternity only comes through Christ. And we can trust him. And here's how we can trust him. Because Jesus did follow God's plan exactly for his life. A plan that wasn't like the plan that God has for us, which is to spend eternity with him free for sin. But a plan that led him to humiliation, anguish, despair, torture, and death itself. And he went willingly in line with that plan. The plan to absorb God's anger for our sins. The plan of salvation. It's the plan of the entire universe. And Jesus went through it because it was the only way he could save us. He went through it so that no matter what we face in life, we know because he's dealt with that problem, I can trust him with my whole heart and commit all I'm doing to him. See, it's so liberating to give your plans to the God who is powerful and so unconditionally loving like Christ. So give it all to Jesus. We want his kingdom to grow. Nothing matters more than him. And when he's your priority, that is when you'll plan wisely. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this very practical and helpful and wonderful book in the book of Proverbs. Lord, thank you that you treat us like adults. You have given us brains to make decisions. And you want us to be wise. And Lord, often you teach us through our mistakes and the, the foolish plans that we make. And yet, we thank you that your plan will stand. Because Father, we, we do make lots of mistakes. And we're so often not wise. But you're in control. And no matter what happens to us, Lord, we know that if we have trusted Jesus, we're safe. And that everything no matter how dark and horrendous and how horrible it may be, everything has been woven for our ultimate good. Father, may we may never know. So help us not to lean on what we think we know. 
and to commit all our plans to you. Help us, Father, to listen to the advice of your people. We praise you for this church and for other Christians round about us that we can speak to about these decisions. And Father, help us to live the way that Jesus wants us to live. Help us to live a life of wisdom, a life that reflects the, the priority of his kingdom. Father, many decisions we may have, and now we commit them all to you. We commit our plans as a church to the sovereignty of God, and we rest secure in that. In his name, amen.